0: Let's jump into it, folks. I want to be respectful of everyone's time. Welcome to today's LinkedIn Audio, where we will be running an Ask Us Anything format around all things Web3, NFTs, blockchain, smart contracts, and the metaverse. So, you know, do you know what most people miss when they think Web3? There's a reason why the metaverse is so popular right now. Do you want to know what it is? Do you want to know why NFTs may change how we do business forever? Will NFTs be the answer for everything when it comes to ownership? And are smart contracts really that smart? And can you afford to invest time, not invest the time to learn about NFTs, Web3 and the metaverse? So, my name is Rob Hanna. I'm the founder of KC Partners. We're a legal talent solutions and content creation firm based in the UK. Um, We help lawyers with their careers and we also help them land their dream jobs. I'm also the host of the LinkedIn Audio Town Hall, which we hold every Sunday. And I'm a strategic advisor and investor in recruitment and legal tech startups. And I'm a regular speaker and host of the Legally Speaking podcast, which is a top 1.5% globally ranked show. And along with my good friend you see here on stage today, Caleb, I co founded Virtual Insanity, which is on a mission to bridge the gap between the mainstream and the metaverse, providing digestive content all around the world of decentralized social media, NFTs, and web Three, and aside from all of that, as I say, without all of these LinkedIn audio rooms, I'm also a proud first time father and also porrent to my miniature dash hound dog Otto because I want my community to know the human side of myself as well as the professional business side. So that said, you will all know by now, those of you who are regular attenders to these rooms, I love to collaborate with the right and like-minded people within my community. And today we have an incredible panel Uh, which we'll be talking about all things Web3, NFTs, blockchain, smart contracts, and the metaverse. So firstly, Mitch Jackson. What can I say about Mitch? He's an award-winning 2013 California Litigation Lawyer of the Year. Over the last 35 years, Mitch has helped hundreds of clients with their startups, business planning, and litigation needs. When Mitch isn't representing clients, he also enjoys giving keynote presentations focused on helping people better understand and leverage the intersection of law and tech. And very recently and super exciting, Mitch also, along with his son Garrett, co-founded manoeuvre VR, a leading edge metaverse and Web3 consulting agency. Yes, folks, you heard it. They exist. A leading edge metaverse and Web3 consulting agency. Super, super exciting. So you can connect with Mitch and find out more at MitchJackson.com. Also on stage, my good friend and co-founder of Virtual Insanity, a Web3 entrepreneur and top NFT community builder, Caleb. And we're hoping to also be joined a little bit later on by our friend Francesca Wittsberg, who is a top IP attorney when it comes to all things trademark and copyright and also specializing in the world of NFTs. So. Please note, folks, that this room is being recorded, but all the content shared is purely for educational purposes only. So it'll be running for about an hour. And in the meantime, if you can continue to hit the invite button and invite some of your friends and connections into the room so we can all learn and mastermind together, that would be great. Feel free to also take a screenshot, tag myself and the co-host here and share any of the learns today with your community. But please, please do raise your hands and come up on stage and ask us anything related to the topic. I always say use this time to upskill yourself to learn from those investing the time, energy and efforts into this new digital world we're living in. There's no such thing as a silly question. And the likelihood is if you're thinking of it, the chances are somebody else in the audience is already too. So please consider this a safe space. Everyone is welcome. We'd love for you to raise your hands, come up on stage, share some of your learns or ask some of your questions. It really is an AMA room. So first off, I just want to see from you in the audience. Can you give me a thumbs up if you own an NFT? So give me a thumbs up emoji if you own an NFT. Okay, so a few of you. Can you give me a clap emoji if you have spent time in the metaverse? Give me the clap emoji if you have spent time in the metaverse. Okay, and then give me a heart emoji if you love the concept of Web3. Give me a heart emoji if you love. Okay, and then this is a bit of fun. We like to have a bit of fun in these rooms as well. Give me the laugh emoji if you have no idea about any of the things I just said. Give me a heart laugh emoji if you're unsure about any of that of what I just said. Okay, so it looks like we've got quite an advanced audience today, so super super exciting. So please do start raising your hands. We'd love to welcome you up onto the stage and answer some of your questions. But I'd love to kick things off. I'm going to try and be punctual with our responses today as well. So. I'd love to come to you first, Caleb. Could you just define what Web3 is and maybe just tell folks a little bit more about virtual insanity. And then Mitch, I'm coming to you next to find out what is the metaverse. So Caleb, you have the mic.
1: Rob, thanks for uh, organizing this. I appreciate it. Can you hear me well? There we go. I I couldn't see my green circle. So my name is Caleb. Uh, Like Robert mentioned, I, uh, In terms of Web 3, the dumb answer is it's the upgrade to the internet. We saw Web 2 brought social media. To simplify everything, Web 1 was read. You could only see websites. You couldn't really interact um, with Web 2. Now you can interact. There's social media um, and just basically what we have right now, essentially. Um, And then Web 3 is now you own some of your content. We have the blockchain, which is the basis for almost everything uh that people have been talking about nfts DAOs, etc um and so web 3 is just the evolution of the internet it's it's what what is to come in terms of ownership and virtual insanity um is it's really a movement i like the way that robert says it it's a movement what we do is we want to let everybody know about web 3 in the simplest way how can we reduce the overwhelm how can we bridge the gap and we started as a podcast, which is now Metabyte. If you want to follow that specifically, that's the podcast portion where we just discuss. And we bring on really incredibly smart people that are, um, you know, people say there's no experts in this space. But there are, I'm telling you, we've met some. Uh, there are some people that really know what they're talking about. And actually, Mitch Jackson is one of these people. I mean, it's I just am mind boggled by how much he knows. Um, and and um, so Virtual Insanity is kind of the the parent like we just we're just like hey can we do this can we do that can we do that virtual insanity is the parent i would highly encourage you to follow us on linkedin on youtube um look us up when it asks you do you mean virtual insanity with two eyes tell it yes you do mean virtual insanity with two eyes it still doesn't show up in the seo but um please follow us uh follow the journey and we just want to help people uh by educating them on all things web3 uh and we just want to reduce the overwhelm
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And really well said. And hopefully, folks, that gives you some clarity on Web3. So, Mitch, again, just like to start with some of the um, the definitions. Um, We'd love to get your sort of definition of the metaverse and maybe NFTs as well. Um, And and feel free just to sort of chime in on anything on Web3 as well.
2: Sure, Rob. It's good to be here. Caleb, it's good to see you and everyone in the audience. Let's have some fun today. Let's do some Q&A. We're going to keep it fast paced. But, Rob, before I do that, you know, you're giving me a hard time this morning for direct messaging you on Twitter while out on a paddle around the island this morning. I want you to know my co-founder, Garrett, my son, everyone, they helped me co-found Maneuver, which is a metaverse and Web3 consulting agency. He's in Hawaii right now on spring break. I mean, look, he's doing something right. Start a company and then go over to Hawaii for a week. But uh, the metaverse, I look at it as simply a virtual extension of who we are and what we want to and what we do in the real world. It can be whatever you want it to be. It can be, for example, in business, a digital or virtual office. It can be a conference room. It can be a place where you can have meetings. It can be a place where you can sell your products and services in a virtual reality. It can be the extension of who you are, your company or your brand in a global digital world. It's fast, it's easy, it's not complicated to set up. That's what I feel the metaverse is all about. Sometimes the metaverses and different platforms are decentralized and many of the popular platforms right now are happen to be centralized for good or bad. That's what the metaverse is. I think it's changing everything. I think it's going to have a greater impact on society than the printing press did, which was invented back in the 1400s or even earlier, depending on which history books you read. And so that's why we are diving headfirst. And we are all in on this amazing, inclusive, dynamic, virtual environment. It's changing the world. That's what the metaverse is. Did you ask me to also explain the uh, NFTs?
0: Yeah, I was just conscious. I know, obviously, um, Francesca's joined as, as well, Mitch. So um, we'd love to get your view and also just welcome Francesca, because Francesca, you know a thing or two about NFTs as well. So we'd well, love let me, you.
2: yes, let's pass that over to Francesca.
0: Okay, well, Francesca, please feel free to intro and then we're just starting with some basic definitions of sort of NFTs. So feel free to intro and dive in.
3: Hi everyone. My name's Francesca Witsberg and thank you. We are we're juggling today. I'm a I'm a new parent and um yeah, we all know how that works when you don't have childcare. <laughs> so we're juggling. Thank you guys. I'm so super glad to be here to talk all things web3, NFTs, blockchain, smart contracts and the metaverse. It sounds like it's a super long list, but they really are all related and it's interesting talking about what these things are, how they're How are they creating new markets, new economies, and how they are changing our everyday lives and every industry, how they will be disrupting every industry. So Rob, is the question, what are NFTs? Because I just popped in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Go for it.
3: Okay. So an NFT is short for a non-fungible token. But I think my favorite definition of an NFT and non-fungible token is that it's basically verifiable digital assets that are verified on the blockchain. And why that's so revolutionary is because that technology has the potential to cut out middlemen, facilitate transfers, to verify to verify transfers. We don't need to have centralized companies and people telling us what's authentic and what's not. These are self-executing transactions that can be verified on the blockchain, which is an, an immutable ledger. So if you really think about that in a really broad sense, it's proof of ownership of digital assets. And it's really changing the way we think about ownership from a philosophical way. You know, We think about ownership as you buy something, you own it, and you have it in your house. That's just with respect to physical goods. As we enter the metaverse, there's going to be virtual goods. As Mitch was saying, he thinks it's our lives are intertwined. We're going to have not only virtual office space, you'll have virtual furniture, you'll have virtual cars, you'll have a virtual avatar. There's so much that we're going to be having uh, virtual goods of And it's a hard concept for a lot of people to understand at this point, but the technology is here. It's still super early, but eventually we will have these parallel type lives where a lot of the assets we own are not physical. They're going to be digital. So that's like a very high level definition of NFTs.
0: Uh, Well explained as always, Francesca. So um, folks that have just joined the room, today we are running an Ask Us Anything discussion so feel free to raise your hands there's no such things as a silly question maybe you want to know more about the world of web 3 maybe you're not sure why you should care about the metaverse or maybe you've just got a question that you keep seeing across social media where you want a chance to ask someone about nfts maybe how to start how to go about it how to ensure that you're not getting rug pulled and if you don't know what rug pulled means maybe come up and ask us so there's lots of things we want to try and get through in today's session to help answer your questions also just want to say hi to david also hi to richard good to see you powerhouse on LinkedIn producing some great content on social audio so um, please bear with me as well because this is still a little bit buggy so if you raise your hand and I don't see you immediately or I can't bring you up please, please, please just bear with me and try and leave the room and come back because I would love to see as many of you on stage as possible. And we've just started with definitions. So whilst you're getting thinking of your questions, and if you can't speak and want to send me a DM, a direct message for a comment or a question, I'll try my best to pick that up so I can also ask the panel here today as well. So I just want to ask a couple of other things around smart contracts. So Mitch, I want to come to you. What is a smart contract and are they all that smart?
2: There we go. All right, smart contracts. Smart pot contracts are simply packets of code that are connected to a digital asset that confirms the asset as individually unique, traceable, or verifiable. They're not a substitute for everyday. Real contracts. As lawyers, what we encourage our clients to do is use traditional contracts, whether they're in digital form on uh, DocuSign, for example, with digital signatures, traditional snail mail contracts to complement our business efforts. The transaction, sale, purchase, hosting platforms for NFTs, for example, use traditional contracts. But all of these platforms and this technology uses code, packets of code, which are smart contracts to help facilitate what Francesca referenced earlier. Let me also say, Rob, just uh, pivoting just a second... This technology is happening right now, everyone. For example, Sarah Hurley is in the audience. She's a gifted artist out of Vancouver. Yesterday, after meeting a client in the metaverse in our virtual space, I popped over to spatial.io. I popped over into Sarah's virtual gallery where she's integrated her, I think it's her OpenSea NFTs, if I'm not mistaken, into a beautiful gallery. I took a moment and said hello to Sarah. And Rob, this is happening right now. In real time, there are smart contracts circulating behind the scenes, controlling the relationships between the parties, both, you know, from a business standpoint uh, and everything else that I just mentioned, but this is happening now. And that's why I'm so excited about this. It's not something down the road. We're actually having meetings right now. We're actually communicating and meeting new people in the metaverse right now, people like Sarah Hurley. Okay. And I just want everyone to wrap their head around this, the earlier you get, you get involved, the more comfortable you'll be with these terms and the easier it will be for you to really, I think, embrace and leverage the power in these platforms.
0: Uh, Really well said, Mitch. Yeah, absolutely. And I just love how you're embracing this, but also educating people. And Mitch has also written the Metaverse handbook. So you want to make sure you're following Mitch on all of his social handles and here on LinkedIn, because he's a fountain of knowledge when it comes to this particular topic. So Francesca, NFTs is very much your area of specialism. So we'd love to ask you, you know, how are you seeing NFTs being used for business?
4: So,
3: okay, how are NFTs being used for business? I think I'm seeing it, we're seeing a lot right now with the PFP type projects where there are these pictures that people buy, it's digital art, but then there's also additional utility. So I think there's been new businesses that have arisen out of these NFT projects themselves. Okay, so digital, so digital, selling digital art, like um, Ford Ape Yacht Club. So there was big news over the weekend. The company that owns Board Apes bought CryptoPunks, which was another really high caliber NFT project. And they're akin to it. it, I mean, it is. It's like a little M&A. I wouldn't even call it little. That's, That's doing it disjustice. It really, they are likened and they are real businesses that have developed out of these PFP type projects. Then there are businesses- It's a PFP
0: project? Sorry, you it in Francesca. I apologize. In case, yeah, Thanks. in case people don't know, go for it.
3: A PFP is short for a profile pic. So profile pic project, where it's really based in the digital art, but taking it one step further, having a community that's linked to the digital art, such that when you put it as your profile picture, people know that you are a part of this community. It really has to do with um, membership, access, a little bit of clout, and we call it, you know, flexing for some of these projects. If you are in with a bigger project like Board Ape Yacht Club, you are absolutely going to have, you know, a Board Ape as your profile picture. Um, so there is this branding community element behind it. It's similar to like clothing you wear. If you have status symbols on you, people do buy luxury goods for the logos so that there is this type of status symbol. And so that's kind of all the, some of the themes that go with profile pick type projects, but think of it in a sense as the digital art. So you know how people say trading JPEGs, buying expensive JPEGs, that's really what it comes down to is the art. But there's some NFTs that aren't just for the art. Coachella used NFTs to give to give um, and to sell unlimited access tickets to their events. Uh, some people are using it to offer their services. Gary V um, with his V friends, he has one NFT that's a, that's a rare NFT where if you own it, he'll come onto your podcast. There's a lot of different ways that people are using it. We're just scratching the surface. This is just the beginning. And so really, there's no limit as to what a business can do with the technology. We're just seeing the, the beginning. And it's really as creative as people want to be and businesses want to be. So the technology is there. It's a very interesting evolution. It's, everything's changing by the day. It's so fast paced. If you were to check out this, the state of NFTs today versus last month or even June of last year, I, I can't even explain how fast things and have changed and are growing.
0: No, and I completely agree. It is a moving landscape. And I just want to welcome uh, Felipe. Thanks so much for for joining. Dave, good to see you. Trevor, who also runs the uh, Entrepreneurs and Leaders Community over on Clubhouse. And they've also got a group on LinkedIn. We're going to be doing lots more collaborations together. So definitely check out Trevor's profile. And I've had a few DMs. So I've got some questions for the panel. So I'm going to open this up to whoever would like it. Maybe Francesca, maybe Mitch would like to take this. So Richard Moore, he's putting his girls to bed. Bless him. But he asked the question any advice on how to navigate NFTs within 2022? He says, clearly there's a lot of hype right now, but it'll be interesting to hear if there's a top tip from each of you on what red flags to look out for when considering investing. And he also says, a little bit tongue in cheek, you're not allowed to say only invest what you're willing to lose. So Mitch, I'll come (laughs) to you first and then uh, Francesca. Do your due
2: diligence. You know, do your due diligence. Don't, don't get wrapped up in FOMO, fear of missing out. Uh, treat your NFT activities, especially if you're using NFTs for investments in, in a way that Francesca was referencing. Uh, you know, do your research, do your background checks. Make sure that you're uh, actually investing and participating in an NFT project that uh, that you can support, you can believe in. There are no surprises. Use business entities. Uh, to help uh, purchase and sell your NFTs, use corporations and LLCs to put a protective veil, a wall between your business NFT liabilities and your personal assets. Uh, Wrapping this up real quick, because I want to give short and concise answers if possible. Francesca was talking about the use of NFTs, Rob. Uh, I'm speaking in May in Scottsdale at the CEX.Events for Joe Paluzzi and Brian Clark. Uh, Dan Pink, along with uh, Chris Lima and uh, Roberto Blake and some other friends are all going to be speaking on stage. But what they did is they used NFTs as tickets. So if you want to go to the event, you buy an NFT. Uh, Those NFTs give you access to backstage special meet and greet sessions, uh, discounts on future events, all types of interesting ways to use NFTs outside of the board Ape and CryptoPunk type of scenario. So keep that in mind, everybody.
0: Yeah, great point, Mitch. Thanks so much for sharing that. Francesca, same question to you, a top tip when sort of thinking about red flags to be looking out for when considering investing in NFTs.
3: Yeah, I think the the market right now for NFTs, if you look at it as a market, right? If you are looking to invest or flip and trade, if you are looking at it in short term, you know, the status of the market right now is a bear market. When NFTs, I mean, June of to- of the last year, there were opportunities for people to get in, buy or mint rather, minting means buying NFTs once they're on the first sale, essentially. So they were for not huge sums of ETH, which translated to not huge sums of U.S. dollars. But now as more and more projects are coming in, more people are are getting into the market, what's happening on both sides is that projects are are minting for a higher price. People are getting greedier. People want to make a quick flip on both ends. And so there's not as much. Something has changed where there really is a lot of talk about people people being concerned about a combination of the high high, high fees, not as much ROI, not as much of um, the utility that we were promised by some of these project teams, a lot of scams. So it is, a, it is an interesting time right now we're seeing for NFTs. But I think what's going to happen out of this is that more people are going to really think deeply about what they want their project to look like. Uh, and a lot of people will probably focus more on the long term, the long-term projects. So we we've been saying in these rooms before that 98% of NFT projects may go bust. And I liken it to what happened with the dot-com boom. Birth of the internet gave rise to internet comp based companies. People were really excited to get in and invest in them. That's when the day traders came in. They started day, you know, day trading some of these companies and what happened? A lot of hype, then we started seeing some scrutiny and the reality was there most of these businesses were crap. And so that's when the bubble busted. And I think that's a really good analogy to understand what's happening in the NFT market now. There's a lot of hype um Things are now costing much more money to get in. You could lose a lot of money and there's a ton of scams. People are just getting greedy with a lot of it. So I think we are going to see the next evolution of NFTs, but it's to be determined. So for people who are looking to invest, I would say really get on Twitter Go into the Twitter Spaces, be listen, watch YouTube videos on some of the people who are really in this space and see what's happening. Um, it's if you're gonna try to day trade or flip, I would take it similarly to that. You know, this isn't financial advice at all, but you really need to understand the market. Don't just go in and see, oh, this picture looks cool, or these people have hundreds of thousands of followers. I'm gonna mint with them. Um, you can't you can't do that. You really have to understand what the market is like. and then my suggestion would be find projects that you think there's long term utility on because I do believe that and and most people who are in the NFT space uh, do believe that there will be a mass dropout on some of these projects because they're promising th- their promises are not real. <laughs>
2: Hey, Francesca, can I just follow up with two quick questions uh, to you? 60 seconds or less. Just mention briefly um, IP concerns, because I think you and I agree that's a big issue and fractionalized NFTs and the Howey test. Just just broad stroke, you know, what do people need to be concerned with? Thanks.
3: So then, yes, that's the investment piece. But if you are entering, if you do want to, in whatever sense, I will say, there's three main IP considerations. An NFT project, I take the position that it's not just a name. It's not just the name of your art collection. I really do think it it is a brand name. A lot of these projects, like we talked about, like the Gordy Yacht Club, they are trademarks. They're brands. They're businesses that do partnerships. So consider your name as a trademark. So if you are going to start your business, most people... Um, If you want to do it the right way, they will check and make sure that that name is available or else you could end up with a cease and desist letter. So take it as a trademark, run a proper trademark search with a trademark attorney and protect that name. Now, the, the way that you file for it is very nuanced. Lawyers are still trying to figure this out. So you do want to work with someone who understands the space and can file the application covering the right goods and services. And so... Then from the trademark perspective, that's really it. Make sure the name is available and you file it. The art itself, so what you're selling as NFT, like I said, right now, it's a lot of art, digital art that's being sold as the NFT. You would have to have an IP lawyer assess the art itself to make sure no major IP issues, check to see who created the artwork. Do you actually own the artwork or what's in the artwork? And then you can also file a copyright application to protect that artwork. And the third piece are contracts. So what a lot of the NFT project teams are doing now is they have a NFT license that is giving certain rights to the NFT holders. That's critical because without any language to the contrary, all the NFT is, is yes, you will own the NFT. But what that really means is that it's a it's a hash on the blockchain. It's just a record on the blockchain that you own something and then it's a link to the digital file you don't actually own the copyright in the artwork. Um, And so people, that kind of confuses people then like, why would you want to buy this? But it's very similar to fine art. You know, you buy a piece of fine art, you hang it on your wall, you could tell people, oh, I own this. But, and and it's the same thing for NFTs. You buy this and you could tell people I own this. Uh, And it's similar to the copyright issue. If you own a piece of fine art, you can't take the artwork and put it on t-shirts because you don't have that right. You don't you don't transfer copyright when you purchase a piece of fine art. So it's the same thing with an NFT. But an NFT is is better in a sense because you can verify that it was, it's, a, it's an authentic piece because of the blockchain. Versus fine art, we rely on third parties and 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 people who are valuable who can be uh, subjective or um, corrupt and can lie, we're relying on them to verify that the artwork is original versus the blockchain gets rid of that problem. So I hope that explains why uh, NFTs are are so interesting when it comes to digital art. And so there really is a lot of contracts that go into it. You cannot just simply host an NFT without um, really thinking of what you want to give your NFT holders. And the way you do that is by having the NFT license, terms of service for your website, privacy policies regarding the the information you're collecting, how you're using that information. And uh, there's a lot more, but that's really the basics on my end. From an IP perspective, I talk about the trademarks as the name, the copyrights and the artwork and the contract piece of what you're giving your NFT holders um and and a little bit more
0: Thank you so much, Francesca. Appreciate the uh, comprehensive overview as always. And that's why she's an expert in what she does, folks. So definitely make sure you're giving everyone here on stage a follow if you want to keep up to date with all the things Web3. So we'd like to welcome up onto the stage Felipe and Amelia. And just remember, this is a Ask Us Anything. So there is no such thing as a silly question. And if you can't come up onto the stage but want to send me a DM like Rich did, feel free to do so. And we'll try and get through as many questions as we can in the next half an hour. Also just want to say hi to Garbe. Make sure you check out his his profile and what he's doing for the linkedin audio and live streaming linkedin community he's helping tons of people and a great person to follow if you want to find more diversity of topics and michelle as well appreciate you stopping by and being a wonderful community-based individual helping everyone in the world of linkedin audio so let's jump to felipe welcome to the stage introduce yourself tell us a little bit about what's going on in your world and what you're seeing because nfts aren't new to you and i would love to see your thoughts and far away of any questions too
5: well, thank you, Robert. I love that you hold this room. And Francesca, I just, I love listening to you. I learned so much from you. Um, but I'm Felipe Cofino. I'm a VP of HR and talent development. And I work at Signal Financial Federal Credit Union Rates right outside of Washington, D.C. And, um, you know, in the banking world, this has been a hot topic, obviously, for a while now about when, how, how is this going to be uh, look like in the future for the banking industry. And one thing that we actually just started doing This year, we are going through what's called a core conversion. So basically, we're taking our entire banking system and replacing it. So you can imagine how big of a project that is. And as we're doing that, we were looking at making sure that we have all the uh, things to make it much better user friendly, have a lot more uh, flexibility uh, with our apps, and and all the bells and whistles, if you will. Um, But one of the biggest discussions that we're having is how can we have our customers and members bank nfts and the company that we have uh hired to go to their system has that capability um and so we are definitely going to be incorporating that with our new system which is exciting we're still learning a lot about you know how it's going to work exactly but some of the ideas that have already come out of it is you know and I might be showing my age here, and no, I was not born in the '50s. But for those of you remember watching shows or movies where you know you open a new bank account, they used to give you a toaster, <laughs> or they used to give you you know different things throughout the years, and then they kind of stopped for a while. And you know our thought process is you know maybe we give them a, a certain amount of NFT in their account if they open a new account with us, um, and then I took that to the next level and thought, okay, after we make that work. I would love to incorporate that with our employees and have that be something where you can take a choice. If you want uh, an extra percentage of your salary going into your 401k for your retirement, or would you like 1% of going into your NFT fund? Um, so things of that sort. So those are things that we're looking at and talking about in the banking world right now. And our uh, Signal Financial specifically, we're actually actively doing it uh, this year to make it available for all our members. So it's going to be for our members, and then hopefully my plan is for our, our employees to be able to have that option of: Would you like an extra percent in as an NFT or as a 401K contribution? So that's it. This is Felipe, back to you, Robert.
0: Oh, what fascinating insights! Super interesting, uh, Mitch. What do you uh, do? You want to chime in?
2: Sure, quickly, uh, Flippy. I love I love the way you're thinking through this. Um, you know, it, what's interesting is maybe providing and what we're doing with our law firm was we're, we're providing our new clients and you could provide your new customers with an NFT. Uh, those that are that understand the process through that NFT, it's almost like a digital ticket that allows them access to. Uh, different banking services, uh, maybe preferred rates, maybe it streamlines, uh, you know, a new equity line of credit on on a home or something like this, where they don't have to come in, they can do this digital. That's what the way you want to think of an NFT with respect to funding or giving that toaster away. I think what you're referring to is maybe sharing some type of cryptocurrency or maybe a bank token, um, with your clients or customers and uh, or incentivizing your, your employees with a cryptocurrency type of basis or benefits or some types of options. So there are two different animals. I would suggest what you do is read uh, President Joe Biden's executive order that was issued last week. In it, uh, they lay out uh, generally the industry is looking favorably upon the EO. And it's going to affect how your bank can do everything that you want to do. So I'd read the EO carefully. I would differentiate between NFTs and cryptocurrency. And then I would try to think of unique ways where you can combine all of the above to better create a client experience for your banking customers. And I think you'll be ahead of the curve. You'll have banking customers talking about your bank where... All the other banks and all the other customers, they're dreading going in and, and actually banking in real time, uh, avoiding lines and things like this. And I like the way you're you're approaching this, but do differentiate between NFTs, cryptocurrency and Reed
5: Biden's EO. That's excellent advice. Thank you, Mitch. And I will definitely check out the EO. I really appreciate that. But uh, that's, that's, that was brilliant. Thank you. I
3: wanna, I wanna add something from just the trademark IP perspective is that a lot of businesses have, you know, of course they have their trademarks registered, but trademark rights are, are limited to certain classes and your registrations only cover certain classes. It's not feasible, nor, you know, you really don't do it. You don't file for every single class. You have to file and it'll cover the classes that you're actually using the mark in. So what's happening is the NFT space, metaverse web three, these are different classes. And we're seeing a lot of companies that I'm sure if you've been following Mitch, you see he he reshares these news articles of companies, big companies filing new trademark applications for metaverse and NFT type goods and services. So if you are a business or you work with one, and you know, think, hey, have are we covered? It's something that is a little is simple to do, but requires an expert because I'm, I'm watching and I'm seeing some of these filings. And, uh, if you're not working with someone who actually knows what they're doing, you know, um, it, it may not be done right. So definitely review your IP co- coverage. And if you are serious about entering the metaverse or giving away NFTs or crypto, it's definitely something to um, consider adding to your IP portfolio.
0: Yeah no great great perspective and thanks so much uh, Mitch and Francesca for your contributions and Felipe always for for turning up and, and sparking the conversation so I also just want to um, acknowledge everybody because I appreciate this may be some people's first room so to be able to raise your hand you should be actually Felipe can you describe because you just came from the audience the process for raising your hand just for folks who might be wanting to do so to come up onto the to the stage can you just sort of explain to people how you did that?
5: sure sure so just along the bottom of part of your screen you'll have uh a different uh options and under the reactions you have the option of reacting obviously or one of them is raising your hand um so the first one is raising your hand it will come up as a gray hand uh, on your uh, profile picture and then robert will see that and be able to bring you up um just be careful to make sure you mark the right one because if you just do a thumbs up he can't bring you up with that it actually has to be the uh the palm of a hand hope that helps.
0: Thank you very much, Felipe. Absolutely does. And equally, if you can't speak right now, but want to send me a question, I have got a few extra questions in the back channels. Feel free to send me the question. We'll make sure we get them answered. But with that, I'd love to jump to Amelia. Thank you for being so patient. Welcome to the room today. Feel free to introduce yourself and uh, far away of a question for the, for the panel.
4: Hi, thank you, Rob. Hi, everyone. My name is Amelia. I'm a French native, and I did the LLM at Queen Mary University of London. I'm also the founder of Eiffel, which is an organization that promotes the inclusion of international students in the UK and in France for the in the workplace. Um, I actually have a question which is more about um, enhancing my personal um, knowledge because I'm a law student as well. I was wondering in terms of NFTs, um, if we think about NFTs and the protection of brand owners, because I know that usually we always talk about how um the uh, how the resale of nft have an impact on the seller but what about how can we strengthen the protection of brand owners and the reason why i'm asking this question is uh because i was thinking of the example of hermes um for those who might not know i will be very quickly but it's basically hermes um there were a digital artist that made um uh, nft with Hermes name, and they then sold it without the consent of Hermes. And this had a lot of impact on Hermes because they were not aware about it. So I wanted to know um, the thoughts of the panelists on how can we strengthen the protection of brand owners. Thank you.
0: That's a great question. Um, Francesca, did you want to share some some thoughts on that one?
3: Yeah. Um, Amelia, are you talking about the meta Birkin case? Yes. Okay. So, yes, um basically an artist created these digital handbags that are like the Birkin bag and he's claiming that the his project which he named Meta Birkins is protected under first amendment his art artistic expression just how Andy Warhol, you know, he created renditions of Campbell's soup cans which are super famous, uh, he's, he's arguing that his artwork is a creative expression and protected. And to a certain point, uh, you are allowed to use people's trademarks if they, they constitute expression. Um, but the law it's, I, I, it sounds so simple. It is so complicated. And what's basically happening now um, in in New York court is Hermes is battling it out. And it's a fight between brand ownership and trademark rights versus artistic expression. And the law, like I said, is complicated, but I think it's something that we all have to think about when doing these NFT projects. Um, And unfortunately, uh, a most... Artists will not have the legal funds to defend themselves if they are sued by a big company. So I really do tell people before you start making your art, it's something to really talk with an IP lawyer about if you are going to use people's names, logos, who can maybe help guide you and minimize the risk. Because at the end of the day, even if you think you have a First Amendment or a fair use claim, To defend that, to to defend that claim, um, it is very, it it, it could be expensive and challenging. Um, And then from the brand owner perspective, I will say it's time to start thinking about your trademark filings. Um, Regardless of the metaverse and Web3 and NFTs, ask yourself, do you have trademark protection in general? Do you have brand protection? It's not enough to rely on your common law rights anymore, meaning just your use you really do you really do need a registration because it is becoming more and more difficult to register names i've been i've been seeing it i can't explain the difference in a trademark search report 5 or 8 years ago versus today it's becoming very challenging to clear names because if you think about it there's only a certain amount of words in the english language and it's i have clients that send me like a list of 10 names and we go through and usually they end up settling on the middle name I've been seeing. So the point of that is if you are gonna protect your name, file for them so that it's on the database, other people could search it, they could stay away from your names and it's it's less likely that you'll run into a problem. And then you get that certificate of registration that gives you a presumption of rights in all 50 states. Versus if you don't have a registration, your rights are only limited to the geographic region where you use the mark. And that becomes a legal battle of, as to where are your rights geographically, especially on our in our digital world. So first, check to see if you have brand protection and your trademarks registered for what you're doing now. And then also, it's important if you are thinking about entering these new spaces with NFTs, Metaverse, and Web3, to also work with an IP lawyer to get certain coverage in, in those, the classes that pertain to, to that technology thank
4: awesome. you oh sorry i i just wanted to say quickly thank you francesca but i was wondering as well do you think that uh there should be uh for example a new law very specific to nfts or not thank you
3: well like any law in general I, i'm i'll answer the question with regards to ip um i think right now the ip laws i i really see the ip laws being the same they're uh nft project name if it's used a certain way, it is definitely a brand or and a trademark. It should just be treated as such. The artwork is artwork. Its copyright laws apply, and then the license that you're giving and that your terms of service to use your website, all of that is you build the contract around. So um, I th- and I'll, I'll also have Mitchell Pine, but I do think at least when it comes to an IP perspective, that the same. Like, look, these are laws that were pre-internet. So when the internet was invented, um, we did see some new laws get passed, like the Digital Millennium Act, like DMCA, to help enforce rights. So we probably will see some things come out of it. But I think the it's not like the whole regime of IP laws that exists today is going to be thrown out the window. We're going to definitely make it apply to new to the new context um, and maybe see some some niche laws arise, but generally speaking, I think we're going to apply the same IP laws. Mitch, you want to take this one too?
2: Yeah, I was just going to add, I think in litigation and trial work, what we're seeing is contract law, IP law, what has applied before Web3 as we know it applies today. It's just a matter of how the application is uh, argued in a court of law. Also, for those of you that aren't at the point where you want to go out and hire an IP lawyer like Francesca, what I might recommend is pick up the NFT handbook by authors Fortnow and Q. and Terry. Q. and Terry is the community manager for Mark Cuban's company. And in chapter nine is a very good legal summary of what you, what you need to know when it comes to NFTs, what Francesca talked about, um, including the right to publicity, the right to privacy, Uh, and some other things, uh, fractionalized NFTs, the Howey test, maybe pick up the book, read the chapter, get up to speed on on the general broad brushstrokes of NFT law. And then when you reach out to someone like Francesca, you can dive deep immediately on specific questions and issues. So if everyone here hasn't picked up the NFT handbook, I highly recommend it. It's a quick read. It's an easy read. And it's a very thorough A to Z summary of uh, the current state of NFTs.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And thanks so much for sharing that resource and Francesca for your uh, your insights. And Amelia, welcome to LinkedIn Audio. and Thank you so much for your, your questions. Just want to welcome everybody who's also joined uh, the discussion today. I want to say hi to Jarrett. Good to see you, my good friend. Christopher, good to see you. Sabina, great to see you. Sabrine, great to see you. And just let everyone know that this, this event takes place every Monday, folks. So uh, we host these rooms and we try and cover everything related to Web3, NFTs, blockchain, smart contracts. Contracts and the Metaverse. So myself and Caleb, who co-founded Virtual Sanity, are joined by our very special guests and experts, Francesca Witzberg and Mitch Jackson, who really do have their finger on the pulse when it comes to this Web3 world. So Mitch has his own consulting agency, which he's running with his son, Jarrett. And Francesca is really on the money when it comes to NFTs and is actually actively working with NFTs projects Daily and has lots of expertise around this. So you're in safe hands with these discussions. And they happen 7 p.m. starting UK time, which I believe with the time zone changes is now 3 p.m. Eastern and 12 p.m. Pacific. So uh, please just make sure you do earmark these in your calendars because we're going to be showing up weekly. But Mitch, did I get your time zone correctly or incorrect?
2: Our time We're noon now on the West Coast. The time changed over the weekend. But Rob, you had an interview earlier today with a federal judge on the art of communication. I thought it was very, very well done what you and he both had to say the art of communication in the metaverse platforms, everybody, making your point, persuading a client to go through on a deal. I think what we are learning and doing in the real world in what you shared in that podcast, I think we can all apply in the metaverse spaces. So two questions, Rob. Number one, how can people listen to that podcast in that podcast episode? And number two, We're recording these rooms. Where can people find the recorded versions of the conversations that we're having in this space?
0: yeah no absolutely thank you ever so much Mitch so on question one and then question two I'll defer to you Caleb on that and I also just want to welcome Bez to the stage and I also have a couple of questions in my uh, back channel which I am going to be going to next as well so for that particular episode you can check out that on our Legally Speaking Podcast website which is LegallySpeakingPodcast.com you can listen via there for free or wherever you get your uh, podcasts or on Apple, Spotify Google, you name it so um, if you just search Legally Speaking Podcast. It's our latest episode. And yes, it was an absolute cracking conversation. And with regards to these conversations we've been running for the last few weeks, Caleb, could you let people know how they can hear and pick up the recordings?
1: Sure. Uh so those are gonna be on our YouTube. I am trying to figure out the easiest way for people to find it. But really, if you go to my profile or Robert's or the virtual insanity LinkedIn, let me let me go through this journey with you guys. If you okay, so if you go to my profile. Um, it should be, yeah, the link tree, so if you post that into your uh, browser you 'll find the YouTube, and then on the YouTube under Virtual Insanity, um, you 'll find the LinkedIn recordings uh, we've had maybe three or four, and we've we've covered a lot of topics, so I would highly encourage you to to look at those.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Caleb and Mitch. Thank you as always. Okay, so we had a question from Jacqueline when we were talking earlier. And Jacqueline, welcome. I know this is your first LinkedIn audio. So hopefully you're enjoying today's experience and we really appreciate you being here. Um, so we gave an example earlier around concert tickets for, for business. So, you know, Jacqueline wants to know what is the benefit of this being an NFT/slash blockchain based over the format of a normal ticket? So Who would like to share some insights on that one? Mitch, Francesca, any thoughts around that one?
2: Just quickly, I think some of the benefits are branding. It's unique. It's different. It's going to get people talking about your event. I think that's something a lot of people are missing when it comes to adopting a lot of the new Web3 uh, technology. So branding and marketing, number two, it's something where if you set up an unlockable type of NFT token, uh, it can be exchanged, it can be transferred, it can be used to add additional value that you normally would find difficult to do through a purchase uh, transaction on a website or via an app on the phone. So just off the top of my head, those are two things you might wanna look at. Francesca?
3: So what are what's one thing that we're concerned about when we buy concert tickets? Them being fake. I did it once. <laughs> I bought a uh, ticket on one of those sites, I guess Craigslist for a Mumford and Sound concert showed up and got denied because the tickets were fake. The blockchain gets rid of that. The blockchain is a, is a immutable, verified um, a ledger where we can verify transactions. So because Coachella is the is the entity that made those NFTs, that can then be sold again and again and again you know that those are real tickets because all you have to do is look to the blockchain. And so that's definitely the, the main, one of the main reasons to do that. Another is the ease of the transfer. It also used to be that you needed a physical print out of your ticket. So if it was sent in the mail, it could take days or you could lose it, it could get ripped, so you could be destroyed the blockchain also gets rid of that problem with NFTs. It's a simple transfer. Anyone can buy it as long as you have, you know, the right amount of cryptocurrency and it will be automatically owned by you. Um, So those are the two things I wanted to add is the the authenticity and the verification aspect, and I guess the immediacy and the, ability to cut out the middlemen and facilitate the transaction.
0: Yeah, great points and great question. And thanks as always, Mitch and Francesca, for your contributions. And with that, we'd love to welcome to the stage, Bez. And also, Dave, great to see you. So we're going to jump to Bez first and then Dave. So Bez, feel free to intro and fire away your question. Okay, uh, thank you. Hey,
6: uh, Robert, great room. Emilia asked a question that made me think of another question. So great question, Amelia. Um, so uh, let's say as a th- third party, you are being asked to put a team together to produce work for hire, which means, uh, and let's say it's an NFT project and you do your due diligence. You, you, you think you're okay. You get your contracts in place that have, um, indemnification clauses in it. And then during the project, all of a sudden a cease and desist, uh, um letter shows up your client says hey uh you know we're in some legal trouble can that liability now extend to you as a third party producing work for hire and our indemnification clause is good enough in this web3 peer-to-peer uh, uh space and in- so oh that's my question
2: that's great question it's always good to see you my friend so absolutely all of the above can happen. That's why we recommend companies use third-party entities like limited liability companies and corporations to do each of their NFT drops. Do you do diligence with respect to who you're hiring to create your NFTs, properly draft a contract with indemnity clause, uh, uh, attorney's fee clauses, jurisdiction and venue clauses all play a huge part in getting these things resolved sooner rather than later. And I don't think there's ever been a time in my last 35 years of practicing law and trying cases where I I believe there's more liability right now today. Today this Monday with respect to everything we're talking about than anything I've ever seen in my life. Um, Web3 offers a lot of opportunities. I'm super excited on not only Web3, but the metaverse. At the same time, there's more liability than there's ever been before. Using proper contract language will help you limit, if not uh, completely reduce, if not completely eliminate that liability, also, the proper use of legal entities will help you uh, accomplish those same things. So that's something that I think all business owners need to pay attention to. And then Francesca, of, of course, will uh, you know, point out that that liability, once again, also has expanded considerably when it comes to uh, intellectual property issues. So pay attention, everybody, and be careful.
3: Yeah, I feel that there's... It's almost like peop- this this new technology makes people think, oh, well, everything's so new and there's no regulations and it's the wild, wild west. And that's just simply not true. And we're seeing that it's not true by all of the lawsuits that are being filed now. Um, and well, I mean, what happened in the wild, wild west, right? People kept migrating out west. And more when more and more people moved out there, law and order really came... Became established more um, intensely, and so it's 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 a good analogy, I guess to think about what's happening now is it started out being this place where people thought they could do whatever they want, but the law is will will catch up <laughs> so ultimately, I think it's the same legal analysis that gets gets considered is do you have the right contract language? Work for hire is a super tricky concept it's it gets used incorrectly a lot. So it's very important to make sure that an IP lawyer looks at your contracts because um, if you don't have the right language in there, the independent contractor could own the IP no matter how much money you're paying them. And so my main takeaway would be to still treat everything just because you're entering the space, you're still going to act as if you're a business and not forget all the basic business and legal principles that are at play.
6: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Great question, Bears, and great conversation, loving it. Thanks ever so much as always for for joining us. Uh, Really appreciate you. With that, let's jump to Dave. Dave, welcome, great to see you in LinkedIn Audio. Um, Feel free to introduce yourself and far away of any questions.
7: Thanks, Rob. Um, I owe it to you once again to lead the way. Uh, It's because of you that I am uh, participating in LinkedIn Audio. I never never bothered until I saw you the other day doing a, a room. So uh, I appreciate your uh, kind of uh, charting the path out there. Um, And um, hi to Mitch and hi to Francesca, it's been a while. Um, Briefly, I am um, what I lovingly refer to a recovering attorney um, who is in the process of transitioning more towards doing uh, consulting uh, in terms of IP due diligence and IP strategies, because I was an IP attorney for a long time. And I'm also moving into film and television production and um, also possibly um, um, minting and creating an NFT company, which uh, brings me to my question today about security um, in NFT and crypto world. Because uh, at a fundamental level, I got concerned when I was starting to open up a, a Coinbase account and Coinbase wanted my username and password to my bank account um, in order to open up that that account with them, and I stopped right there. Uh, I've since been thinking about this and uh, talking with other people in the business about possibly setting up a separate bank account at another bank that has nothing to do with my main bank account, and maybe put in uh, only a limited amount of money so that something goes wrong with Coinbase, which I believe also did happen a month or so ago. I believe somebody, there was some Coinbase phishing going on and a million or a million and a half dollars worth of, I think ETH got stolen from Coinbase owners. And then I just read about a, uh, a Sotheby's prank the other day about uh, some crypto punks that were going to be auctioned off. So all in all, I have some very fundamental questions about just security from uh, if you're going to get into this uh, either as a mentor or even as an investor. And I was curious what Rob, Francesca, and Mitch think about that.
2: I could jump in, Rob. David, I love, I love the fact that, number one, you're just south of me about 45 minutes in San Diego. So yeah, good, good to see a fellow Southern Californian. Let's uh, get together you're-
7: if you're ever down here.
2: Consider it done. I'd love to. So I like the way you're approaching this because security is a big issue. And so what you want to do is exactly what you're doing. Set up a separate account, link that separate account to your, uh, you know, whether it's Coinbase or some other uh, service that you're using to buy and sell cryptocurrency, whichever one, that's what you need to do to play around in a, in a Web3 world. I'd also suggest that you keep your main business and personal accounts separate. So you set up up a new bank account or debit card, credit card, whatever it might be that you can use to purchase and sell and do transactions with your wallet. Let's talk about the wallet for a second. A lot of people are using MetaMask. It's an extension you can use in Google Chrome to allow you to facilitate everything that we're talking about. How secure is that wallet? Well, if you click on the wrong link, if you think you're at the wrong site, which David, that's what you were referencing. People were going to a site where they thought they were purchasing one thing. And in fact, it was so well done that that's not what was happening. And uh, their wallets were basically you know, broken into and bad things happened. What I highly suggest everybody do is, is use hard wallets. Uh, we use a Ledger Nano X. It's a, uh, it's a wallet that you hold in your hand. It looks like a USB stick and whether you manually plug it into your phone or your laptop or desktop or in this case the Nano X uses um, a very high security bluetooth type of connection i'm very comfortable with um, that allows you david to double down on the security issues that co- you are correctly identifying i think that by avoiding clicking links responding to random incoming dms especially over in the discord servers You can create a pretty secure environment where you're going to be okay, number one. Number two, if something bad happens, your exposure is limited because you're keeping a limited amount of funds in that limited third, you know, that third account. And then if you're doing business, if you're creating an NFT platform, you know, create a new legal entity and then do everything we just talked about through that legal entity to separate your business NFT liabilities from your personal assets like your home, your Basset Hound, and your surfboards. That's my advice.
7: Thanks, Mitch. That's brilliant. That's kind of exactly what I was hoping to hear.
0: Thank you so much, uh, Dave, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing you um, in more and more of the LinkedIn Audio events. And it sounds like you've got some super exciting projects um, on the go. So please keep us informed, and you know we'd love to collaborate with you and see if we can make uh, something happen in terms of an event here on on LinkedIn Audio. We do have, um, we will be, be wrapping up shortly, folks. But I did make, want to make sure this is an ask us anything stage, and everyone is welcome to ask their questions. So we do have a final question that someone's just DM'd to me. So I'm going to put this to the panel. So take my. My take on web three is that it's a decentralized space that allows you to complete ownership of information and identity the platforms that we receive right now are not is what stuart says can some people give some clarity around this does anyone want to sort of take that and kind of give a little bit more around the whole decentralized space and what that means for ownership
3: yeah i can i can start um so everything when we hear decentralized is pretty much theoretical. The blockchain theoretically if used can you can use smart contracts to automate so much stuff and verify so much stuff that you don't need a third party or a centralized organization run by people to facilitate any of the transactions but what we're actually seeing happen is most of the organizations that are web3 and crypto based and blockchain based are centralized. They're run by people. Coinbase is a publicly traded company. OpenSea, big company owned by and run by people. So it's very important to understand that, you know, de- the decentralized is definitely um, it's a principle that can be applied. There are purely decentralized um, entities right now, but for the most part, I mean, these, many of them is what we're seeing right now. The big ones are centralized. And I, I think that's what we're going to see is we will still see centralized companies in this space because businesses and brands are going to want to know that if something goes wrong, there is a way to complain. There is a way to have a takedown, to do a takedown and get someone to actually respond on the end and take down a copyright infringement or to have some sort of facilitator. So I think in an ideal world, people think, oh, everything's decentralized, but it's, it's just not true. And as more and more brands and businesses enter this space, they're gonna figure out how to, how to take advantage of it, how to build their businesses here. Like we're gonna see face, clearly Meta, Microsoft, we are already seeing them enter this space. And I think that centralized organizations will still exist in this space.
0: Yeah. Great points as, as always, Francesca and Mitch, I'd just love to to come to you as we wrap up. So, you know, based on that with, with web three, like Stuart says, you know, it's decentralized space. It's allowing that complete ownership of information, identity, you know, the platforms that we see right now are not, and as Francesca was building on then. So my question is, are we just that web 2.5 then?
2: You know, we, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, uh, substance over form type of argument which is a, a phrase we use in the legal community all the time it's not what someone calls it is what is it really when you when you peel back the layers of the onion right and i no i think that uh, we're at the next level i think it's web 3 rob but uh, the reality is is web 3 who gets to define what web 3 is okay just because somebody says well web 3 is a decentralized uh, approach to taking web 2 to the next level okay somebody said that somebody designed that somebody is trying to promote that type of concept but when you look at the technology that we're talking about how expensive it is to do research and development how expensive it is to to figure out how to create multiple metaverses how expensive it is to to do all the things we're talking about that's not going to happen unless you've got big corporations involved for good or bad Uh, It's not going to happen unless you've got some kind of government regulation for good or bad. It's not going to happen when you're looking at a global type of technology. Um, And as uh, Francesca pointed out, you've got investors who want to know who's behind the project. What's the brand? Who are the people putting money in? How can we hold wrongdoers accountable? So for me, when I look at Web3, Rob, what I'm looking at is a new type of dynamic uh, interactive technology that really does embrace everything we're talking about, regardless of whether it's 100% centralized. In other words, it's on one company's set of servers or decentralized, which means the the content and the technology is spread out around, you know, 10,000 or a hundred thousand different servers around the world. What I'm looking at from a business perspective is how can I use whatever is out there in the Web3 world? Because I could care less about the coding. I could care less about the politics behind centralized and decentralized. I want to know how I can tap into this power to create a better client experience. So for me, tapping into the power of Web3 and the metaverse, it allows me to do just that, number one. Number two, it allows me to brand my business, to brand what I'm doing in a way that most lawyers aren't. I encourage everyone here in the audience and everyone on stage, regardless of what you do for a living, by, by taking and leveraging this technology, you're going to stand out from all the noise. You're going to be separating yourself from all the competition out there because they're not doing it. And uh, let me wrap up real quick because I know we're at the top of the hour. With respect to David, David, I tried to message you. If you message me sometimes today, I'm going to send you a link and it's to a really good article. And other people may be interested in this, Rob. But Ryan Folan, who's a dear friend of mine, he's also down here in Southern California, David. Ryan wrote an article, Seven Steps to Creating Your First NFT. And he walked people, took them by the hand and walked them through each step, including the security steps that David and I just chatted about. If anyone wants a copy of that article, you you can reach out to me or reach out to Rob. I'll send Rob the link. And uh, we'd be happy to get it over into your uh, DM or your email inbox. So this has been great today. Thanks for having me here, Rob, Kayla, Bez, Francesca, Felipe, David. It's been a pleasure seeing everybody on a Monday morning. Uh, well,
0: thank you, Mitch. And thank you, everybody. That has um, gone super quick. These rooms just go in a flash. So um, I'd just like to hear from you in the audience. Um, we try to show up every Monday the same time, myself, Caleb, Francesca, Mitch... Um, Did you like this Ask Us Anything format? Would you like us to run this um, sort of some more discussions around this rather than getting into some of the the sort of deeper topics just whilst we're building up the community? Just give us any sort of emoji, the heart emoji, if you'd like some more of these ask us anything rooms because hopefully you know you can go away with some of the questions you really want to know about okay that's great really really appreciate the uh, the feedback and I, I hope those of you who' this is the first time in LinkedIn audio you had a positive experience keep in mind it is still in beta form so it may be a little bit buggy you may have been kicked out the room but LinkedIn is proactively working on this so if you'd like to know about the latest features and things that are happening on LinkedIn I also do host a LinkedIn audio town hall and working closely with the product development teams so uh, feel free to join those discussions but i'd just like to say thank you so much once again to everybody in the audience for joining us today and of course my fellow co-hosts the wonderful caleb the wonderful francesca and mitch jackson please make sure you hit their bells on linkedin if you're not sure what that is it's a new feature that LinkedIn has recently rolled out. So when they are posting or when they're commenting or attending events, you'll also get a notification. So if you're particularly keen to immerse yourself more in the world of Web3 and NFTs and the metaverse, you definitely want to do that for Vantreska, Mitch and Caleb and all the speakers you see on the stage. So thank you all ever so much once again. Have a great rest of the week and hope to see you in some many more LinkedIn audio rooms. Take care, everybody. Goodbye.